Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor, and I'm a mom. We're getting real about all things family from a mental health perspective. So let's get to it. Welcome back to Parenting in the Trenches. I am going to have a bit of a solo episode um, today. We have been having some amazing guests. We were on a really long streak of inviting other people to the table to talk to us about really specific topics. And um, I've been getting some feedback from different places um, that came from a place of curiosity around the four protective responses that we call the four F's. So fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And that Oftentimes, parents will nod at the first three and give a curious look for the fourth. Um, and I've I've had the opportunity to have some really great dialogue with parents about what fawning looks like as a trauma response or as a coping mechanism. And it's super adaptive, just like all the other responses, but it's so uh, frequently not known about that people feel confused um, when it shows up. And I think part of the reason it's confusing is because it looks like um, easy kids. It looks like compliance. It looks like um, saying all the right things at the right time. Uh, It looks like taking care of other people's needs. And so oftentimes those don't feel like a flag to us. Um, unless we really understand that it is coming from a place of um, safety seeking in situations that may not warrant it, um, that we are okay to feel like we can be ourselves in the midst of other people and that we don't have to worry that being ourselves means it's going to incite anger or disapproval in other people who we developmentally are leaning in on to tell us who we are and that we're okay. So we, some of the discussions that have come up recently have been about trying to find information that is not shaming. And I find this really ironic because in trauma support, trauma-informed services, in trauma healing practices that are really at the forefront of how we work through hard pieces of our past, one of the fundamental principles in all of the effective treatment methods is that there is shame removal and a sense of felt safety to reprocess um, memories that have been stored uniquely in the brain in our fight-flight freeze fawn center, which is different than thinking about a memory from our past that does not bring up the wave of sensations in our body as though we are reliving it. So I wanted to spend an episode talking a bit more about fawning um, in a way that does not shame or blame caregivers or parents or people who might be really deeply concerned um, that they may have contributed or have just been told that they've contributed to this pattern. When I know from 
working with really complex um, situations and complex development and complex needs, kids with complex needs, is that it isn't always about the security of the attachment to the parent. It can come from a child's perceived, whatever reason they're perceiving their environment um, as unsafe. That is enough for kids to connect deeply with an adaptive function that's going to keep them safe in the future. Kids come with different personalities, with different temperaments, with different leanings, with different um, profiles of who they are when they arrive in the world. And from that moment on, we are building on that with life experiences and the world teaches them what is safe and what isn't. And so I wanted to talk about how that shows up in particular with fawning. So if you've never heard of the fawning response before, it functions really similar. It has a, well, it doesn't function, it doesn't show up similarly, but it has a similar function or purpose to fight, flight, and freeze in that its MO, its goal is to seek safety. And it's based on a child's perception of lack of safety. So we might think, well, those aren't dangerous situations, but if the child is perceiving them as risky or dangerous based on the current data they're getting, or it's triggering something that signals, I've been in a very similar feeling place before, and it turned out not safe, and I'm learning. So I want us to come at this from a real strength-based perspective and understand that when you see your kids adapting like this and clinging to safety mechanisms, while we know that it might be maladaptive currently or going forward, they are operating just fine. They have found what they have needed in order to survive in order to feel safe, in order to move forward. So I want, I want to maybe talk a little bit about um, how that shows up. So the specific function of fawning really is to avoid conflict by appeasing others. And in particular, um, for early childhood development, it's about pleasing or appeasing adults because our safety depends on those who are supposed to be taking care of us or we need to provide us with a sense of safety because we can't achieve that ourselves. We're too vulnerable. You know, at the, at the real base of it from a child's perspective or the person who feels they need to fawn to stay safe, there's um, a belief that there's a lack of safety to express themselves, to, to, to own their own needs, to advocate for themselves, to feel worthy, to take up space, to have a voice, um, particularly if they're feeling not aligned with whoever the other person is. So any sense of being different doesn't feel safe. There's a lot of hyper attuning to the environment to read other people's cues, um, which is super adaptive, right? If I can tell what makes you happy, then I can do something about that. I can provide you 
with things that might help you feel happy, which then in return makes me feel safe because I don't have to worry about getting into trouble. I don't have to worry about being different, being blamed for um, having my own thoughts or my own feelings. And again, this doesn't happen because of one incident. This happens because of a of multiple experiences in it in somebody's past that signals that by and large, look out, you know, look out because when other people aren't okay, um, that makes you feel unsafe. So safety seeking, of course, then becomes priority. So people will, kids or adults who have this as a response mechanism are willing to abandon themselves their needs, their desires, in order to achieve that safety, um, just by figuring out how to keep the other person pleased and happy to avoid what they think is going to be an unsafe response. Now, we get that with trauma, we relive this. So if in the past, this has been genuinely unsafe, this is why we don't shame that response, because of course, that has been well-developed um, and an exercised safety muscle for people. But when we realize that it's now interfering with connection because the people around them are currently, by and large, safe and responsive and will let them be themselves and be okay with who they are, it is really hard to take those first steps to drop that mechanism and trust again. This is a quote from Pete Walker that I, I appreciate. It's a little wordy, but I, I think it densely... Um, shares what the definition of fawning is. So fawning is seeking safety by merging with the wishes. So it's like leaving myself behind and I'm going to adopt your wishes, needs and demands, unconsciously believe that the price of admission to any relationship is the forfeiture of all their own needs, rights, preferences, and boundaries for me to be accepted by you means that I have to abandon myself so that you feel okay about being with me. Individuals who experience kind of like what we would call good enough parenting. And when we use that phrase in this field, it's, it's to relieve parents of this expectation that perfection is the goal. Good enough parenting is this kind of catch-all phrase that tries to describe overall, were you attuned to your kids' needs and responsive? And when kids experience that, or I'm going to broaden this, if kids experience an overall sensation that they are safe in their immediate world, whoever's in that world, and that those in that world are responsive to their needs, they arrive in adulthood with a healthy and flexible response to danger. So the four F's that we talk about, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn, are in all of us, okay? This is, this is good. It's healthy. We want those things because really, in a state of a fire, flight's going to save you. Um, in a, a situation where you're confronted or cornered, you want to have defense skills to be able to fight off the attack. We don't want to extinguish these mechanisms, they have to work for us in real danger situations. So in the face of real danger, they have appropriate access. People will have appropriate access to all of their four F choices, right? Um, easy access 
to the fight response ensures like good boundaries and healthy assertiveness and aggressive self-protectiveness if necessary. Those who repetitively have been traumatized in childhood often learn to survive by over-relying on the use of one or two of the four F responses. And so if your child is one that leans hard into the fawning response, then some of the things I was mentioning earlier might be some of the things that you see show up in their behavior repertoire. You know, I remember when this actually functioned really well for me. I have this distinct memory of being in a situation. I was in my um, early 20s. I went with a friend to Mexico. It was my first uh, trip, kind of independent of my family, um, traveling uh, quite far for the first time. And I, you know, I I got there and I wanted to fully experience this, but it didn't have all the street smarts yet. And the resort that we were staying at had a, uh, like a club crawl. So we were going to go from dance club to dance club. I love dancing. So I was super excited about this. Um, and we went and the, um, the van driver, uh, worked for a company who by design, they wanted people to keep going and spending money because they made money when they dropped people off at the clubs. So uh, the longer you stayed with their tour, uh, the more money they were making. And so we were uh, going from place to place. And at some point, um, enough passengers had kind of participants had dropped off and said, okay, we're done. We're going back. Um, And we reached this point where I recognized that I we were in a kind of a dangerous, risky situation. We didn't know where we were anymore, how far we were from our resort. Uh, These were the days of no cell phones. So this was not an option for me. Um, We found ourselves in a van with two men uh, who were basically in the control seats of where we were going and for how long. And there were only four of us women left. And when I realized that, the two other women that were with us refused to go further and knew of a way to get back by themselves. We did not. So we kept going. And I remember the moment where I pivoted into fawning. I sucked up to these men. I made them feel great about themselves. I, I, I remember thinking if I keep them happy, um, we get far enough along, it might just be the thing that allows them to kind of continue with us in good graces and get us back to where we needed to be. Uh, It worked. Um, And the next day they had this anticipation or this expectation that uh, I'm sure of also, I'll leave that to your imagination about what they were going to get back from us. Um, When they came back to the resort to specifically seek us out, we were then in a safe environment and said, um, no, we're not going with you. And that backfired for them, right? Because they had an agenda. And to this day, that has really helped me understand the power of our 4F responses when they are applied in the right spots in the right situation. If I applied that, though, every time I showed up in an otherwise safe environment with people, I would be sabotaging relationships, not be able to connect. I would be... um, 
I wouldn't be myself. I wouldn't have access to myself. And so understanding the difference between when it is maladaptive at some point versus, yeah, I, you know, I needed it in the moment and it kept me safe and prevented a trauma from occurring. So like any topic where we're, you know, being great detectives with her kids and trying to see past behavior and understand what its function is and what they're trying to achieve and how their bodies are kind of standing up for them. Um, it's, it's hard to be that detective if you don't know kind of what you're looking for. So I did want to cover a little bit about how fawning shows up, what you might be seeing, and then uh, ways of shifting it to set a new tone that allows your child to kind of come um, to lean a little bit less on that fawning response to feel safe. They might be really quick to accommodate, make everything okay, fix problems um, to help you feel settled. Uh, you might also see mixed signals. So um, appearance-wise, they might look like they're not thrilled about something, but they're willing to say, it's fine, I'm okay, um, to convince you almost that it's genuine, but you get a sense that it's they're not fully genuine. For kids who have strong fawning um, behaviors, you might see that actually it looks genuine because they're all in, but it might have that extra tone to it of sugary sweetness. Like they're taking it further than what you would expect them to, to need to take it. Um, using flattery, um, the, the people-pleasing quality there. They might check in frequently to make sure that everybody else is okay. So like attuning and checking in, like, how are you? Are you okay? Really quick to check in um, and not trust that other people are going to manage their own stuff. They might feel the need to fix others' feelings because I'm not okay if you're not okay. Uh, we, we think about the directionality of that. You know, a, a child is meant to feel like you've got my back. So you're available for when I'm not okay. It's okay for me not to be okay because you're going to be there for me. We want that child to have that experience over and over and over throughout their development. Um, and that fosters the sense of safety and reliability. But when that overall direction is flipped, we the, the child feels insecure because now the parent needs the child to be okay and happy all the time in order for the parent to feel like they can manage things. And so we want to watch for that dynamic in relationship as well. And the important piece here is we use this information to detect it so that we can shift it. And the shifting can be quite concrete. There are lots of things that we can do to shift the environment to help a child learn to lean in less to the fawning. For one, you could exercise the child's sense of autonomy and identity. So whatever's age appropriate, you can be really encouraging a child to express who they are and then meet that with a sense of approval and um, like you really love and appreciate who they are. When they sense that from a, another adult, that offers them confirmation that who they are is good, right, and healthy. And you can also name that, you know, the, the construct or the theory or the idea that two people, any two people, 
are allowed to think and feel differently about the same thing and that that is okay, normal, and good. So even just fostering conversations that help kids understand that people can disagree and there can be safety in that disagreement. So any situation where we can endorse and encourage people to optimize their voices and remain uh, respectful of one another, that's an opportunity to say it's okay that people think and feel differently. Emotional regulation skills are really important because if a child feels they don't have the capacity to foster a sense of emotional safety, then they're going to lean in hard to the four F responses um, when they feel unsafe. So to be able to ground themselves, to find a sense of attachment to themselves again is really important. And in the skill set, you could also explore what it would look like to manage conflict well. What does it look like to have hard conversations and not feel the need to run and disappear? And it doesn't mean holding them to the fire, right? It means creating safety so they don't feel like they have to run. So practicing, oh, I noticed that we disagree and that's okay. That's healthy. I want to hear more about what you think. That invites them to express their differences, their uniqueness, their desire to say what's happening for them internally without having to please or mask or put on the identity of somebody else. You can role play assertiveness. You know, there's no better way to learn than when we're in a playful state and we're curious and we are creative. So um, make this a role play game. Do some charades and come up with some scenarios where you have to stand up for yourself and make them mild to start. You know, the least conflict um, in the and tension in the in the play zone, but um Give opportunities for regular feeling of safety when they have voiced what they think and feel. It's also important because for kids or adults who have done fawning a lot in order to stay safe, they have actually really rehearsed abandoning their own needs, desires, wants, likes. They don't know anymore what those are. So spend some time exploring with the child what their needs and wants and likes are. Um, That's part one, right? Knowing what is actually genuine and authentic on their inside and then meet it with this conscious response for affirmation. And that happens like in your words, but also in your posture and your tone to really say you're okay with how they have expressed something or shared with you. Notice it, name it, reflect it back to them and validate it. I'm going to leave a few attachment related books and trauma related books in the or resources in the show notes. So go ahead and check those out. And we'll see you back here again for our next episode. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for spending time with me today. Remember to check out the show notes for related resources. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, or you can also subscribe to my online learning page at my.thrive-life forward slash LRL series, where you'll get updates, extra tools for your toolkit. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover in this podcast, please shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you. Shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in this mud. I will see you back here next time.